Welcome to the Hunt League Podcast, where we share hunting stories from the field that help pave the way for others to follow. We're walking, sneaking through there, we could tell he's around. And then we see him, he's only about 10 yards away from us. This is your host, Jared Newman. Let's get started. All right, welcome to the Hunt League Podcast. I have Wyatt Bow with me tonight, one of four finalists for the 2021 Outdoorsman of the Year. Wyatt is on uh, Team Wisconsin with Josiah Gawin. I mean, you put together a heck of a season this year, so we're excited to get to know you, hear what makes you tick, and uh, makes you come alive out in the woods. So go ahead and give us an introduction. Tell us who you are. Okay, so like you said, my name is Wyatt Bo. Um, I'm one of the young ones. I'm only 19 years old. Uh, I've been hunting from early ages where I couldn't even walk yet because my, uh, my dad was actually carrying me out in the blind for turkey season and everything. Um, I'm from the Midwest, so what we got here is turkeys, bears, deer, and that's about it. I did get to go on one elk hunt this year, so that was really fun. It's actually where I got to meet you, you and your dad. We happened to be setting up uh, our elk camp within 100 yards of each other out in the middle of nowhere in yeah. Colorado, and it was like, okay. And the last night of our elk hunts, we both all sat around a campfire. We were just sharing stories and stuff, and that's where you heard about the Hunt League app, downloaded it. So... You're actually one of the guys yeah. I can say I, uh, I I somewhat shared an elk camp with. So tell us a little bit more. You you elk, you came out to Colorado. You did an elk hunt. Um, let's see, I got was successful this year with my rifle with the deer hunt. Um, a little more background with the bear hunt. Um, I've been my grandpa has a bear crew that he's been hunting with for years. It's kind of went on for generations, and this year I got to tag along with uh, one. So. Oh, that's pretty cool. So what do you, what do you yeah. mean he's got a bear crew? Your grandpa, does he run? Like, cause in Wisconsin, are you, are you allowed to bait? Are you allowed to chase him with dogs? Like what, what does bear hunting look like in Wisconsin? So on bear hunting, it's actually both dogs and bait. Um, okay. my, my grandpa does dogs. Uh, my great grandpa did dogs. And then, um, uh, my dad doesn't have any dogs, but he did do it when he was younger. And I used, I used to tag along when I was really young a lot and then kind of fell off of that when uh, sports hit my high school season. So didn't get to do a lot of bear because I have a cabin up in Bayfield. So about two hours away from home has a bunch of state land that they do their bear hunts at. And it's a bear crew um, called Echo, no, Sioux Valley Bear Hunters. Okay. And so that is that so, like a guiding service or a group that you can kind of hire or what is that? Or that's just their own like private club? that's just their own bear group name um it's a it's up in the middle of nowhere with all the roads are uh all the roads are sand actually they're all it's all where they log in the state land and it's about it's about what is, i don't know probably half a dozen cabins along there with a group of 30 people or so that come around every now and then okay and then they don't do any guided services but you'll have a guy every now and then that has a tag for a bear that and we might not get one in the group at all so they'll bring a bring a guy out with the tag okay so when you say that is that a is that a draw unit then for a bear it's, i'm assuming if if, if yep. it's, is it hard to get a tag there what's the process to get a tag there in wisconsin i don't know this for sure but i think there is only two different sections in wisconsin okay i think it actually splits along my hometown which is barren um, splits on Highway 8 because the north north of Highway 8 it flip flops every year because north of Highway 8 
you could have the first year could be dogs that get to go first two weeks earlier than the baiting okay in the north end and then the south end would be baiting first then dogs two weeks later and that flip-flops every year so i think there's only two sections i believe gotcha that's all i mean that's all fascinating (laughs) like and so this year uh, this year you said you got to you got to participate in that hunt and i'm assuming so you participating in that hunt you did not have a tag but somebody in your group had a tag or or did you have the tag yeah it's actually a guy from bear and this is the first year that we've been able to run dogs in our county okay so and uh this guy had a bear tag that he was bait sitting for multiple nights and it was the last week of season so he called my dad which uh got my grandpa and my uh great uncle all of them to bring their dogs and uh we got this 642 pound bear running on the ground and that was a that was a big bear okay were you chasing did you know that bear existed were you chasing that specific bear yeah because we probably wouldn't have even bought it was so close to town it was only a mile not even a mile out of town out of city limits where this bait was sitting and where the bear was hitting so, and he had it on multiple trail cameras. It was coming in around 5 a.m. every night. It was staying for the entire night and eating, which is very uncommon for a bear of that size to do because typically they only eat so much and they plug their stomach and go and lay down and get ready for the winter. But he was still eating. I don't even remember what it was. It was some sort of peanut butter mix. <laughs> All right. What time of year is this? Like when is bear hunting season in Wisconsin? Oh, I think hill season starts in August, but you could run, I think you could run dog, kill season might be September actually, but I think you can start running dogs in June to train them and get them ready into shape. Okay. So when you're running dogs, did you do any practice like that? Was that a part of your season this year, like running with the dogs and are you just treeing a bear at that point and then pulling the dogs off or what does that mean to run the dogs? So I actually didn't do any of that this season. I did that a couple years ago with my grandpa, but this year I did not. Um, yeah, you pretty much look for tracks on the bait or see if a bait's hit every night. And then you, if it was, and you send the dogs out, and they go and they tree the bear, just bait up, and then you got to pull them off the bear. Okay, and, and that's, that's how you kind of train part. them up and practice them, get them ready for season. Okay, and when that bear hunt actually happened, what was your involvement? What was your role like? How did, how did that all go down? My involvement was I was there right from the start. Pretty much I was a runner because, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, we toss the dogs out there and it's kind of like a slow, it was a, it had been rained for the two nights that the bear was there. And the first night the dogs could not get a scent at all. Okay. The second, second day, it was going to be our, probably our last day going to be able to run this bear. And, uh, it rained again but we circled probably 200 yards away from the bait and we caught a track and we sent the dog on the track. And then that's when, uh, ended up catching up to it in a field. Oh, this story gets long cause it gets good. So <laughs> I want a good story. Give it to the us. Bear, yeah. The bear, the bear ran about a mile before it bayed into a giant swamp just out of town. Oh, I'm wow. talking a swamp. You when we stepped the first part of stepping in there, it felt like a mattress. That's it was all moss covered mattress yeah. with tamarack uh, pine trees. First step, 
first part of the first 10 yards of getting in there, every step was going up to your uh, thighs. Oh my gosh. So did you, did you have waiters down. or what, or were you guys just trudging through getting soaked all the way up? I had my boots and I just had normal pants on and a t-shirt and we were just trudging through there. Yeah. It was cause it was you went into that for, not expecting at all to be going into a swamp land. No, I mean, once, cause the dogs all have trackers on them. Mm-hmm. So you know where they are. And we had a feeling that he was going to go over there and he did, which is, Yeah. So, and he bait in there, so we quick ran in there. Well, not quick. We had to go through a bunch of trees because Baron had like a windstorm in 2019, so it knocked down a bunch sure. of trees. bunch of deadfalls and stuff in there. Yeah, and we had to go through all that. And then it's me, the shooter, and then one other guy that has his dogs in there. And we get... We could hear the dogs, they're baited up. You could tell they're staying their distance away from the bear. We're walking, sneaking through there. We could tell he's around. And then we see him, he's only about 10 yards away from us in like a, in just a laying position, backed up against a big stump, just staring right at us. It was nuts seeing his so big you, head. So he's not in a tree. He's no, on the ground he, staring at you. What are the dogs doing? The dogs are just about 10 yards away just barking at him oh my gosh they're not even going after him i don't think if i was a dog i'd be going after a 640 pound bear either (laughs) those are no those might be some smart dogs you got there and there wasn't really any trees to climb where he was and given how big he was i don't even know if he would have climbed he just breaks the trees over yeah and actually they could break their claws right off too oh my gosh that's crazy. Okay. And then, so tell me about the shot. Like, cause you are actually present. You are there. You're, you're, you're yeah. taking a shot at a bear from a very close range. Is the hunter, the dogs you said are at about 10 yards. Are you guys at 10 yards with the dogs at this point? Or are you, are you back 50 yards or how, how close no, we are you? Were, we were 10 yards away. <laughs> I actually have a video on my phone to prove it, but we were 10 yards away. Okay. Did and- you put, did you put that video in the hunt log? I did not. Okay, you've got to put that video. I haven't seen that video. I'm like, if you put that in, I haven't seen it. So you have to put the video in so because everybody listening is going to want to see a video of you shooting a 640-pound – or I know it's not you, but uh, you're on this hunt. You're videoing a 640-pound bear at 10 yards. What kind of rifle are you using? Or is it a bow? I don't even remember. Okay, is it- no, he used a rifle. I don't even remember what he used. It wasn't like super big, but he actually shot it which we actually regret this to this day, but he actually shot it like right in the skull. Oh yeah. Skull. Cause, Cause he ruined, either... he kind of broke the skull or ruined the skull for, yep. so we okay. could never get it measured, but it was either the skull or in the chest, which I'm sure we probably would have been fine in the chest, but that close, he ended up right in the skull and bear laid right there and never moved. Oh my goodness. Okay. And then and you took, actually have took, that on video. I, I got the shot and everything. I don't have like the bear cause the guy's like right in front of me. So I'm trying to angle like sure. above his head, Sure. but you could hear the shot and afterwards. <laughs> it was a, it was a really fun hunt cause it involved like, involved like 15 guys. Oh my gosh. Is that, is, and at the point of, at the point of shooting the bear, it was you, the shooter and the dogs. And then when you say me, the 15 guys, the shooter, 
and then one other guy that was there when we actually shot the bear. Okay. And when you say the 15 guys, is that because that's how many people it took to get the bear out of there? Pretty much. Yeah. So it took us, I think three and a half hours, I'd say to get that bear out. And it was only from where we shot the bear to a ATV trail was only about, uh, I'd probably say 60 yards away. Okay. But it took us three and a half hours because it was just all that. So we had a huge sled. Like, I think it was for an ice shack. We rolled the bear into there. And then we had two guys in the front of the sled with ropes pulling. I think we had a guy on each side of the sled that would lift over the deadfall. And then we had two guys, me and my actually buddy from school, were in the back pushing the sled. Okay. When you're talking about a 640-pound bear, like, that's the size of a bull elk. You know, and it's like you can't move yeah. a bull elk when it's on the ground. You can't. It's like they're, that's, no. an Im, that's an immovable object. And it's like you have that thing, and that's even, like, more compact and tight. That is a giant bear. I think that I've seen some yeah. big bears, and I, I've seen some that I would say crossed 400, which was enormous for me. And like when I think of a bear, I'm like, yeah, you know, I've seen quite a few bears that are 150 pound bears or whatnot, but like 600, that's grizzly weight, you know, like that is, yeah. that is enormous. How did you guys age it? Or was there a way to find out how old that bear was? Oh, I'll have to ask the guy and I'll can put that in my uh, hunt log part too. Okay. Edit it. Man, that, but, that would be epic. Yeah. That bear is like a legend. We called it the Baron Legend when it died because it's so close to town, but that's unnormal for them to get that big. Yeah. Uh, a I would, big, I would consider a big bear in Wisconsin to be anything over 400. If it's a 500 some pound bear, it's a, it's a giant. That's a big bear. Yeah. So 642, really big bear. That's and it wasn't legend. really long. So the belly just, you think of a pot belly pig. Yeah. The belly on that, that's what it looked like on his bear. It was his belly was only hanging about four inches off the ground. Oh my gosh. Practically touching. That's unreal. That is super cool. Um was that in the in terms of your year in the field, was that would you say that's your highlight moment? Was that your favorite moment? The the bear hunt or what I mean, I don't know how we jumped straight into the bear hunt, but go ahead and uh like give me give me Give me like a one, two, three. Like, cause anybody that's up for the outdoors oh. of the year, every one of you guys has some like big highlight moments of the year. So like all of you guys are accomplished. All of you found success. Give me like your year in the field, top three moments. So I would probably put that one at number two. Okay. Number one being, uh, our rifle season we had with, and then with deer, you mean? Yup. Okay. Deer. And then, Ooh, I know you didn't Man, get an elk tough. because you shared elk camp with me and anybody that shares yeah. elk camp with me, they never get an elk. So yeah, that, we know you didn't yeah. get an elk, but it could still be a highlight moment if you had a lot of fun out in Colorado. But what, what is oh, that? that what's a, that third moment for you? Oh, it's a close second between Turkey or close third between uh Turkey season and pheasant hunting. Okay. Which highlight out? I'd have to go pheasant hunting just because I got my dog along. So. Oh, that's fun. Okay. Yep. Bear hunt falls at number two. 
Number one moment yep. for you is deer camp this year. What made deer camp special for you? Like part of, part of, here's the deal. Part of the outdoorsman of the year is it's not just like, Hey, the guy that killed the most animals it's because mm-hmm. we could have somebody that doesn't hunt all that much still be nominated as a finalist because it's like for them in that season, that was a banner year. That was a special year for them in the field. And they've got mm-hmm. a story as to what made that special for you. You know, this, this, you had success in multiple things. So what made your deer camp kind of a special deer camp, maybe even compared to other years? Like what was so great about this year's deer camp? Um, I'd say the quantity of people and the quantity of success we had was crazy. Yeah. So just looking at the photo year, with, with you guys all stacked up with those bucks on the trailer, I'm like, wait, what is this? Like, is this, and, and then, I think I even asked you, I'm like, are you guys hunting like a high fence, like farm? Like, cause no. where do you get that many big quality whitetails? And that was all in like, how many days, how many days was that? Was that a two day hunt for oh. all those deer to fall? So for all of those deer that were shot there was in that picture, it was two days, but then on that Monday, there was another two bucks that were shot for a total of how many eight, I believe. I think we had six on the trailer and the two on Monday. So give me a rundown of deer camp. What made it special? Uh, give me, give me the, like, give me a play by play leading up into you harvesting your deer. Okay. So we'll start with mine. Um, this, I'll start early season when we're prepping and everything. Cause okay. so I hunt on about, we got 120 acres of land that we, uh, mow for this farmer. Okay. We mow it all. It's on like a CRP grassland, a government program. And with us mowing it, he lets us hunt it. So I've had a box stand on this land for, I think, oof, probably 10 years now, eight years, I'd say for sure. And I've had great success there every year, but there's always been this one pine tree in this funnel that we've just been waiting to grow big enough to put a hang on in there. Okay. This year was the first year to put a hang on in that stand because in that hang on, I could see 200 yards, like all directions. And then I could actually cover the funnel where a lot of deer we're walking that I could not see in the box stand. So when you say this is the first year, cause obviously you've been waiting for it to grow. How, how high up in the tree are you? Oh, I'm way up. I called it, I called it the Eagle nest. Okay. Cause I'm like, I'm probably 35 feet in the air. Oh my gosh. Are you sure on your, yeah. are you sure on your height? Do you know what 35 feet is? Cause that is, that yeah. is tall, man. Yeah, yeah. So you were, you were perched way up there. Yeah. There's no deer that's looking 35 feet up in the air to see if there's something up there. That's, I mean, you're in the sky. No. And it's, it's in a big white pine. So I actually didn't even use any tree stakes or anything. I just climbed the branches up. Okay. That's pretty epic. All right. So you're in the Eagle's nest. You got a good view. You can see just about 200 yards every which way. So that morning, I think I saw 28 deer that morning, five different bucks. They were all little forks and I think one or one little eight point and like two six pointers or something. Okay. So nothing that morning, just does and bucks. Great morning. I love seeing deer. So, yeah. And then I think I went in cause 
I went in because my mom shot a deer. So I went to help in that. I'll get to that after I get the story done. <laughs> okay. Uh, so going back out a little later than I wanted. Afternoon. Um, so this is afternoon hunt? Yep. This okay. is the afternoon hunt now. Wasn't seeing a whole lot. Saw, I think, a couple does. And then all of a sudden, the does that are feeding to my, to my right, all of a sudden I hear a grunt coming through the funnel. And then I'm looking, and I just see this beautiful, nice white rack 10-pointer walking towards me. Just a beautiful buck. And it's in this funnel, so it's pretty thick. And the deer's only 40 yards away from me. Oh, my God. My first my first shot, <laughs> I shot into this funnel. I thought it was wide open. I had to have hit a stick or something. Yeah. Because the deer just stood there staring at me. Never moved. It, and, Never you, and you're talking about at 40 yards. Are you using a scope? You open sights? What do you What do you shoot? I was using a scope, and I got a 270. Okay. And uh, I'm I was just dumbfounded because I had put it right on his chest. I was so confused. So I quick pumped again, and I shot again, and I hit him right in the liver, and it just completely exploded his liver. Okay. And then did he, he did he take off running though? Because a liver shot he, doesn't he, always he, drop him. So no, he took off running. And while he's running, I took one more shot in this other opening and I hit his front leg and hit his back leg and he pretty much dropped right there. Okay. Yeah, you took a that's a pretty good shot and hit, actually, hitting one on the run. Yeah, and actually I didn't know he dropped, but I knew he had to have been in that area because I would have seen him if he went left and another guy would have seen him if he went north. Okay. So I knew he had to be there. So when I crawled down after I waited 30 minutes before I got down and found him laying right there. Okay. Um, question for you. Cause you guys had eight deer. You said earlier, mm -hmm. um, you just mentioned that your mom was able to harvest a deer. I didn't realize your mom hunted, which is super cool. I knew you said you would tag along on hunts with your dad. Is your mom yep. an avid hunter as well? Or was, is she a reluctant hunter? Like what, what's your mom's status there? Um, uh, she's actually hunted for quite a long time since pretty much her and my dad have been together, which is 25 years now, but okay. so she doesn't hunt like super hard, but her favorite season is definitely turkey hunting. And then his last, uh, pretty much these last 10 years, she's been going with my sister in their M and M blind because they're both start with M's their names. So we call it M and I M and M back, uh, box stand. So this year, my sister didn't hunt cause she was pregnant. So my mom hunted with my sister still, and my mom had the tag and she got this nice 10 pointer, a little broken up, but she, that was her first deer in 20 years, I think. Oh, wow. It was. So that's yep. a big accomplishment. So, I mean, that even in and of itself kind of adds to the deer camp because that, that makes it really special yep. for you and your family. Now, so you helped your mom. You went out there in the afternoon. You shot one. Now, you mentioned the, the M&M stand. This was the first year that you were able to climb in a white pine and, and hunt yep. from your eagle's nest. Where my mom shot hers is actually on our uh, family land. Okay. Which is all surrounded by marsh. So that's what I land. was going to ask you a second ago. You got eight deer, and I was thinking, is that all off the 120 acres, or there's a couple different properties and plots around in the area that you were able to take those from? 
Yep, two separate. Um, let's see here. We got one, two, three, four off the uh, one that I hunt, and then one, two, I think four off my family land. If people go and look at the pictures of your deer hunt, those are not small deer. No, they were all mature. All of them were over two and a half for sure. Or all of them except two were at least three and a half years old. I mean, looking at some of those, I mean, you had some, did you ever get yours measured by the way? Or did you try to measure it? Do you have any idea what your deer I, would have scored? I do not. I would probably say, uh, this one probably scored 130. Yeah. Around there. That's a beautiful, I mean, that's a beautiful buck. Like growing up in Oklahoma, I didn't do a whole lot of deer hunting. When I saw a deer, like, it's like, I never, I never really saw a big deer. Like if, if I saw a deer that was 110 inches or something like that was a big deer to yeah. me, like people would be excited and come in and like, talk about, you know, man, I shot this 10 point buck and you'd look at it and this is tiny little basket buck, you know, like you could wrap your yeah. hands around. And it's like, that was a 10 point growing up. And that was like a true trophy in the area that I grew up in. And then like, when I'm seeing the pictures of your guys' deer camp, I'm like, well, where do whitetails grow that big or you could kill eight of them on two properties that aren't even like huge properties? Like that was, you, that was unbelievable. Now, was this an exceptional year or is that a normal year? So that was an exceptional year. Our normal year is probably four nice mature deer. This year was definitely exceptional. Yeah. But given this year was probably the most we've had at deer camp in the last three years just because of covid travel kids whatever sure so this year was definitely had the most people in a while so what actually made that your favorite i mean obviously you harvested a really it was that your biggest buck by the way like i mean you shot a great buck is that is that the biggest buck you've ever shot or have you actually harvested have you harvested a better buck than that yeah i got a when i was in the youth hunt still i think i was 12 13 i was 13 i shot a eight pointer that scored 148 oh that's and then you have any you have any photos of that one i do i don't i don't think i have any on the hunt league okay uh, app just because people are listening you're gonna have to grab a you're gonna have to grab a photo of it and say hey this is the uh post it up there and say hey this is the deer that i was talking about the 140 that i shot when i was 13 years old and then my second biggest is actually this one behind me that you can see, but yeah, it was an eight pointer that gross scored one forty two and seven ace. I got that one with my bow, so that was my biggest bow buck that I've got. Oh man, congratulations! That's that's a phenomenal deer, by the way. I know nobody else can see it, but uh, I'm on a <laughs> Zoom call, and that that's a phenomenal deer. Um, all right, so. Anything else? Give me, give me anything else that made that deer thing special. Like, why was that special to you? You've obviously killed bigger deer than the one you shot this year, even though the one you shot this year was fantastic. What made, what made this special? Uh, it definitely have to be the tradition with the different generations that we got with my grandpa that still hunts. And then of course my dad and my uncles and then me and my cousins that's awesome it's always always a tradition yeah just getting the whole family together your mom chiming yep. in there i mean that that is really cool i could and absolutely actually, see why it's so special and i actually got my girlfriend her first buck in over eight years and her biggest buck this year 
Oh, no way. I, I helped her out this year too. So that's pretty cool. Was, was she in the same stand? Did she climb up 35 feet in an Eagle's nest or did you put her down close no, to the ground or what did you guys do? She went in my, uh, she was with me in the box stand that I had for years. Okay. That's only actually oh, 150 yards away from the Eagle's nest. So we've covered number one, we've covered number two. Uh, number one, both of those were Wisconsin, and now you said it's probably, probably not the elk hunt, even though uh, we met in Colorado, and that was pretty cool. But uh, you're number three. We're 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 talking South Dakota, right? Yep. Okay, give us a little South, bit of South Dakota. Tell us about that hunt this year. So South Dakota, we had uh, eight guys. Um, I think it was five dogs, and we were hunting. In Barron, we have some Mennonites that are around there, and yeah. they had family that was in South Dakota that uh, had a bunch of land. So we went and asked all of them when we were in South Dakota if we could hunt their land for pheasants, and we hunted some public, but we uh, hunted pheasants for mostly in their land. Um, Is there any differences uh, there, like on hunting on private land? Are you are you still limited to three roosters a day? Is it rooster only, like? Is there any differences on public and private land? Just I, I've never hunted South Dakota. I know it's the mecca of pheasant for North America. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think it was four roosters a day. Okay. Or no, it was three. It was three roosters a day. Yeah, you want to make sure you don't say the wrong thing here because you've got all these yeah. people that are going to start judging. That guy doesn't even know what he does. He shot too many pheasants. So Three roosters a, get a day. Um only roosters no hens okay public and private didn't matter for what you shot i mean sure. you had to shoot roosters but it didn't same thing as private yeah and uh and you you got to bring your own dog yep is it a actually a bird dog or is it just a dog that loves running through fields and because he's running through fields he's going to kick up pheasant like what what kind of dog do you have nope nope i got a black lab named uh, milo he's uh six years old um, I trained him when he was a puppy. He was carrying around grouse feathers all the time. His uh, favorite hunting to do is definitely pheasant hunting. I bring in duck hunting too, but pheasant hunting is definitely his favorite. You can see him just work and work. It's always fun to watch the dogs. And is he, does and, he actually, I mean, when you're dealing with a lab, a lot of times they're more zigzagging and helping push stuff up. Does he ever, does he ever no, point? He points a lot. That's what I was about oh. to get to. It was that made my whole trip was mean I I don't care if I shot a whole lot of pheasants, but the mount he pointed was insane. So the first day, all the dogs you could tell they were just going nuts because there's just so much pheasant sign. But in the weather, the weather was really bad when we were down there. I'm talking fifty mile per hour gusts, winds, really cold and sleet and rain. But the one day we got a bunch of snow, which kept the pheasants hunkered down more. Otherwise, they were spooking. And how, how many days were you there in South Dakota? Uh, we were there three and a half days. Did you get your limit uh, each day? or? Nope. Uh, we came short a couple of those days. But the last day, we actually got our limit. And I remember seeing a picture with, with all you guys standing up against the fence with a bunch of roosters there. Who all went with you on that trip? So it was all family. We got, it was my dad and I, and then it was all extended family, like third cousins. 
but we all grew up in Barron. And is that a trip well, that you guys do kind of every year? Is, was that the first year you've ever done that trip? So back in the day, they used to, my dad and then my one cousin, they used to go to North Dakota sometimes. But this was the first year that I've been to South Dakota and that we did this big trip like this. You had elk, you had deer, you had pheasant, you had duck, you had spring turkey. I mean, you have a pretty extensive list of animals. Plus, I think you had, I know when you, when I met you, you were out in Colorado with a muzzleloader. Uh, I know you archery hunt. Uh, I know you shot your deer with a rifle. I know you used a shotgun this year. So how many methods of take did you use? Any, any crossbows, any traditional, any pistols? So I used everything you just listed. And then I used an occasional pistol every now and then just for some small small game like uh, squirrels or rabbits sure and uh if you had to choose one method of take what's your favorite method of take to use in the field archery archery it's just it's more difficult than rifle hunting just because you got to be so much closer and it's the time of year that you're out in the woods it's just fall leaves are changing and just a beautiful time of year absolutely I couldn't agree with you more. Archery has stolen my heart. Uh, as much yeah. as I love shooting shotgun and a pheasant out of the air or doves or waterfowl, I mean, that, that stuff is so much fun. And it's hard to ever say, like, if you're out on a waterfowl hunt and it's a good day, it's hard to yeah. ever beat, like, a really good day of waterfowl hunting. But if I had one hunt and I could only do that one hunt, it would be hunting for elk with my bow in hand in the mountains of Colorado. Like, I, I can't beat it. What? would that hunt be for you? Like maybe you got a bow in hand, uh, but if you had one hunt and it's the only hunt that you are allowed to do the rest of your life, what would you be doing? Archery deer hunt. Archery deer. Whitetail? Yep. All right, man. You wouldn't You wouldn't be coming out to the mountains of Colorado going after elk with that bow or doing a, doing a mule deer hunt? Oh. You go whitetail over mule deer? I've never been on a mule deer hunt. All right. Well, just so you know, whitetail hunting, I think, is significantly more difficult than doing a mule deer hunt. Um, There's probably some haters that are going to listen to that and completely disagree with me. But I I just think, man, there's nothing as skittish as a whitetail, man. Whitetail, they smell you. They don't even come near. They see any movement. They're gone. I just think you got to be on top of your game to harvest a whitetail buck with a bow. It just takes a lot of, not practice, but I'd just say grit because you put so much work in the off season to try to figure out your, you take pictures, you have trail cam pictures of your hitless bucks that you want to see. And you just work so hard to just see those bucks. Always moving stands, always changing things up. I always have a climber. So, and actually I'm, I live in Eau Claire, which is pretty far away from my homeland. So I actually asked a farmer around here for permission to hunt land. And that's where I shot my uh, eight pointer last year. Okay. That's pretty cool. Bow. Do you ever, and I only have a climber. So I climb tree, random trees out in the, out on his land. Yeah. You're just, you're just scaling up a tree. That's, that's yeah. awesome. That's the only kind of tree stand stuff that I've ever done. I've done like kind of elevated blinds and stuff before. But mm-hmm. when it's been a tree stand, it's only been a climber. Um, and I have yeah. done very little of that. Have you ever, like, tried out, like, saddle hunting or anything like that? Have you explored that yet? 
I really want to. It was just uh, really hard to get any of that. And it's pretty spendy still. So yeah, to grab the equipment, if you've already yeah. got a climber, you know, do you want to spend the money mm-hmm. to get, uh, you know, a saddle? And I think too, if you're going on a private farm and you're not having to walk really far, I think where the saddles really come in is obviously the mobility, but being able to, if you mm-hmm. got to hike maybe a little bit further into public land, like a saddle is going to be pretty nice to put pack in yeah. compared to, you know, a climber stand, even though they've come a long way with how light and whatnot a climber stand is, it's still, still a little bit of a beast to carry in. Um, any other highlights from the year that you want to point out? I mean, this is kind of, this is kind of your show. I mean, this is dedicated to you. You're a finalist. Any other story you want to share from the year? I would definitely have to say the youth turkey hunt. Okay. What made that special? Uh, I got to bring out three different kids to get their uh, first turkeys. And the one kid reminded me so much of myself when I was younger. It was just cool to see the new generation coming and hunting out there. And, uh, when you take three, are you taking three at a time or are you going one at a time and you help three kids get their first turkey? One at a time and uh, I help three kids get their first turkey. All of them and, on, with shotguns, I'm assuming? Yep, all of them with shotguns. And are you calling them in, decoying? What, what, what was your job? What was your role? I was calling. I didn't do, did I say three? Three of them that got their first bird, one that had is older and he's had gotten a few birds, but... I did all the calling. We don't really run too many decoys because turkeys' eyes are really good, and they're smart birds, very smart birds at times. Sometimes they can run right into decoys, but I've had uh, not very good luck with decoys. They seem just to really skittish and to run away from them. So Interesting. just pretty much calling. That's, that's cool to hear because I think there would probably be a lot of people that are like would think the opposite, but that's your experience, yeah. and you've you've been at this. I mean, you said – before you could even walk, you were out turkey hunting with your dad. So you've got years of experience speaking to you. And also now you just stacked on the success tactic. So people listening that are like, man, if I'm going to go turkey hunting, i got to get all these decoys. i got to get this, this, and this. Yep. Like here you are as somebody that's taken quite a few turkeys saying, yeah, I kind of abandoned the, the decoys and I just rely on the calling. Very true. But I see a lot of people using like uh, aggressive decoys where they're actually going – at the and at the turkey yeah which that seems to have more success than like just your still decoy is still hen and jake out there sure but the ones that they really come common in the last few years but they're going like straight at the turkeys of looking like a big tom and they just get aggressive and territorial not not territorial but defensive over the hens and they'll come chasing in to come fight this other bird I've, I've seen that. And I, like, I know Mojo has a pretty cool decoy. You can kind of strap yep. up to the front of your shotgun. And then, uh, there's a decoy company that's right down the road from where I live. You know, the, it's the ultimate predator decoys is the one that's right down the road for me, but yep. those are the ones you can kind of strap onto the front of a bow shotgun, all that. And I'm like, but I've seen the videos. They seem to work. Yeah. Birds are weird. Cause you have, a uh, when I hunt geese, a lot of times I just use silhouettes, which are just straight flat printed out yeah, 2d on like cardboard 2d items yeah yeah and it's like you see these super super nice avian x's but it seems like a lot of people just kill them on the dive bomb silhouettes yeah i actually just did my first goose hunt and i went out with bigfoot decoys and 
I was like, okay, I don't know that I could afford to get into goose hunting because, I mean, they oh, had they had hundreds of yeah. full body shells, silhouettes. I mean, it was unbelievable the spread that we laid out. And I was like, if this is what it takes to to fool a uh, a couple geese in for the day, I was like. I don't know. Maybe it's just worth paying the guide a couple hundred bucks to take you goose hunting because this will cost me ten thousand dollars just for the decoys. Yeah, but it's a uh, it's pretty expensive cool. sport. Pretty pretty fun experience. Okay, last question, and uh, we'll wrap up here. But uh, you're a finalist for 2021 Outdoors of the Year. Uh, what does that mean to you personally? Honestly, it's just super cool to be a finalist. Um, I think of Hunt League. I, I was just doing Hunt League for fun just to see the blogs and to connect with so many other people. But to become a fi- finalist is just another added bonus to the Hunt League app. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to cross paths in Colorado back at Elk Camp. I would say that both of our secret spots to go find elk didn't really pan out for anybody this year. <laughs> no. <laughs> just the secret spot that wasn't so secret actually was a total bust. Um, so we'll regroup on the whole elk front, but it was awesome meeting you at camp this year and then uh, getting to follow along with your hunting season afterwards, seeing the posts of everything from the deer to the pheasant to the 640-pound bear. I mean, congratulations on a heck of a year, being able to help a lot of new hunters and, and seeing you be able to do that with, with youth and take out young kids and teach them and getting to even see that spark of fire that was lit in you is an, at an early age and seeing another hunter kind of grab that and carry that forward. I mean, that's just, that's just super cool. So Wyatt, I'm, I'm grateful to have you grateful to have you on the podcast, uh, tonight. Uh, congratulations on being a finalist. We'll find out February 1st, uh, officially where everybody stands. And, uh, regardless of who finishes at the top, man, Congratulations on an incredible year. Thanks for having me, and I like seeing all your guys' posts. That's all I got. Well, that wraps up our series interviewing each of the 2021 finalists for the Hunt League Outdoors of the Year. Tune in live on February 1st at 9 p.m. Eastern Time as our judges panel from Vortex Optics, Phoenix, Velvet Antler Technologies, Brave Experience, along with our 2020 champion, Peter Mosby, crowned this year's winner. That night, we'll be announcing several new features as well as sponsors and leagues for 2022. Thanks for joining us on the Hunt League Podcast. We'd love to have you subscribe to the channel and stay connected as we share stories from the field that build confidence, community, and competition. Special thanks to some of the other league sponsors such as Moonshine Rod Company, Sheep Feed Outdoors, Trophy Ridge, Hunt Score, and Pyro Putty. It means so much to me to be able to work with other companies that believe in the Hunt League community. 2022 is going to be an incredible year for Hunley, and we are grateful to have each of you a part of our growing community.